0: This program is sponsored by Blazing Grace Ministries. This radio program is PG 13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung.
1: Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. I'm coming to you from another 115 degree day here in Phoenix, Arizona. I think this is like number 21 in a row with more to come. So in September 2012, a news story broke about Pastor Saeed Abedini. He was an ordained minister with dual American-Iranian citizenship, and he was arrested in Iran. He had been involved in the past with setting up house churches there and was working on setting up an orphanage. Then in 2013, he was sentenced to eight years in prison. And the stories coming out of that prison were pretty dark, where he was beaten and denied medical care. It was pretty rough treatment. And I remember watching that story back at that time and praying for his release. And his wife, Nagma, was, she seemed to be everywhere petitioning for his release and getting involved with the U.S. government. And some big name Christian ministries got involved. And and then Sabedini or Abedini was released from prison on January sixteenth, two thousand sixteen, and then shortly afterward, there were started stories were trying to surface where he had been abusing his wife, um, and he was a, had some porn problems. And as we know in our ministry. Those two can often go hand-in-hand hand. with porn and abuse. It could be physical, emotional, or verbal abuse. So today I have Saeed's former wife, Nagma, with me to tell her side of the story. She made national news when she publicly advocated for the release of her then-husband, Saeed Abedini. Through Saeed's imprisonment, Nagma was able to bring worldwide attention to the plight of of persecuted Christians and able to proclaim the gospel to millions across the globe by speaking at human rights groups, major news outlets, the United Nations in Geneva, the European Parliament, Congress, and she had personal meetings with both President Barack Obama and Donald Trump. When it came to light that she had been abused throughout her marriage by her husband, the Christian community suddenly changed on her. So, Nagma, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: So let's get started and have you share your story.
2: Yeah, uh, I, since um, I, can, I became a Christian from Islam when I was nine years old, my passion had always been to uh, missions and preaching Muslims for Christ. It wasn't until my husband, who was very abusive, went to prison in the Iran that uh, God started uh, building me up because uh, up to that point I had been so abused, so controlled that I wouldn't then rely on my own thinking. I was completely controlled by my husband, and his imprisonment is actually what set me free. Where I was able to, um, I guess, I drew close to the Lord, reading His Word and praying more and Uh, Through that time is when God revealed to me the abuse I was under and uh, set me free. And as you mentioned, porn uh, was a big part of our marriage, and it was considered as um, godly to watch and to try to please my husband uh, in a way that um, was—in a way was twisted to show that it was not sin and that it was— you know a way that I could serve my husband,
1: you talked about abuse. What did that look like?
2: Uh, well, it was very subtle i, I didn't even uh, when I met site in two thousand and two. I had no idea what narcissism was or even any clue about emotional or psychological abuse. I knew about physical abuse, but even then I thought it's someone that gets beaten up all the time and um it started with just when I was meeting him it started with a lot of verbal um putting me down my look um wanting me to change certain things about myself where I had entered the relationship as very confident I had, I was becoming more and more uh not confident and um think um believing lies about myself and that I wasn't uh desirable uh also around that time uh there was the isolation. I didn't realize that's what it was, but uh, just criticizing all my friends. At that time, I was a missionary in Iran when I met Saeed, so I didn't have a whole bunch of friends, but I had made some friends. Um, I had come to Iran about a year early before I met Saeed, so some friends, and then my family would visit, and uh, he was undermining them as not being spiritual, as Saeed was. Saeed was very Pentecostal, casting of demons and a lot of signs and wonders and He was basically, um, really, uh, because I did see a lot of signs and wonders, I guess, uh, he made me uh, really trust in him and not to go to my family members or friends that I used to go for counsel. So he, sight, became the only source of truth in my life. And there was um, was a few um, uh, physical, it was some pushing and shoving and... But it wasn't a full-on beating um, until about a year into our marriage, is about a year and a half into our marriage is when uh, the first physical abuse happened. But before then, there was a lot of pushing me away, isolating me, um, the silent treatment, which is abusive as well, not speaking to me for weeks or months and or days, weeks or months, depending on how much wanted to punish me and uh, me begging to talk to him, and um, yeah, just some, uh, I guess some physical, but at that time I wouldn't have considered, considered it abuse, some pushing and shoving, and um, yeah, that, that, that's how it was. Mm. Until about a year, we were so busy with the house church movement, pretty much when I met my husband, we um, focused on, uh, we were leading one of the largest house church movement in Iran. So we were busy building disciples. I was actually, um, really busy, uh, with that and, uh, traveling and, uh, starting churches. And so our relationship was not, um, so much to focus, even though I knew something was awful. We were, so, but we were so busy, um, until November of 2005, we had to flee Iran. So three years, um, I met Saeed in 2002, I didn't, I met Saeed in 2002, I didn't marry him till 2004, so about three years after we met, and about a year after our marriage, we uh, had to flee Iran, we were getting arrested a lot, and um, I personally had guns pointed to me and told to deny my faith, and um, it was just getting so intense that we believed that um, it would actually endanger the house churches if we stayed longer, um, and so we went to Dubai. And a missionary family was around Thanksgiving. Our missionary family had gone to America for sabbatical for six months, so they told us we could use their um, apartment uh, in Dubai until I could get a visa to America. And the first night that we landed there, I was pregnant with my daughter, and I was so tired. I was throwing out. Uh, I was searching through the suitcase for my pajamas and I got up and said, you're making a mess. And I said, who cares? And that's when my first full on beating happened was oh. she uh, just beat me, kicked me, punched me, head, stomach, everywhere. I was bruised. And I uh, thought I was going to die. I crawled into the bathroom and I mean, I had bumps coming out of my head. Um, I crawled into the bathroom and called his parents. I called my mom. They were, of course, his parents were back in Iran, and my parents were in America. And um, he never said sorry to me. Um, He ended up saying it was just the demonic forces in Dubai that had made him do it, but never true repentance. And at that time, I was pregnant with our first um, child, our daughter. So... Having come from the Middle East culture and also the American culture, church culture, of purity movement where um, if a girl kisses a guy, she's lost her purity and you're not supposed to, you know, um, you're supposed to keep yourself or your husband. I felt like I was damaged good. So I didn't see a way out Um, in terms of walking away from that marriage. I thought, you know, I'm stuck and I'm also pregnant. I don't want to be a single mom. So I, from that moment on, I I guess I learned my lesson. I uh, was walking on eggshells and uh, did everything not to upset him again. And we ended up coming to America and we had our daughter in 2006 and our son in 2008. So that's, that's my, um, that's before his imprisonment. And I ended up, I was working until, um, he, uh, yeah, I was working and we were raising the kids until he, he was traveling back and forth to Iran starting in 2009 when my son was about a year old. And in 2012, he was arrested. And that's when my whole life changed. I guess from what I, thought was the worst thing that could have happened to me
1: ended up being actually God rescuing me. Mm. You met him in 2002, so in the two years that you courted, was there any clue of the the physical abuse or any type of abuse or the pornography?
2: No, he was so deceptive. Uh, No, because well, now looking back, of course, there was emotional abuse, there was uh spiritual abuse, he would use Bible verses, but not something it was very subtle. And even with his form addiction, um, he was very deceptive. We had satellites so we could watch um T V uh shows that were outside of Iran, which um sometimes they had kissing and so when the scene would come up with people kissing, he would look away. And I thought, Wow, this is a really pure man <laughs> Mm. That can't even watch. Like he doesn't want to watch that. So no, I, the porn stuff. I had no idea. I actually thought, wow, this is a very um, pure person. Um, I knew of, of a of a um, his past that was not very uh, was. Um, yeah, his past was not good. I didn't know about. The, I, he didn't talk about any porn addiction, but I knew he had relationships. There was even an incident of. Um, gang rape and uh, his behaviors towards women, but all of that he would say, um, was before he became a Christian and he'd become a different person. And so, um, yeah, um, I just thought he's a Paul. I would call him a Paul because he has such a radical, um, background where he was, uh, trained by Hezbollah, a terrorist group to, attack Israel, and then he was about to murder a pastor, and he got saved, and um, so um, I just thought that's the past. When I met him, he was uh, a baby Christian, probably two years in the Lord, and he seemed on fire, and so I didn't, his past did bother me. It wasn't till we came to America, and I was pregnant with my daughter, and I would look next to my bed, and he was gone. And of course, I'm usually a sound sleeper, but when you're pregnant, you go to the bathroom a lot. (laughs) Uh, So it was towards the end of my pregnancy. And um, when I would, uh, I would wake up and then I'd catch him in our living room, which was, you know, a good walk from the bedroom. It was, it was a, I would search for him. Where could he be? And I would find him in the living room and uh, he uh, was watching born, and we turned it off and uh, pretend it didn't happen, and so that was my first wake-up call of what's going on, and then uh, when I had my daughter, when she was about 10 months old, I was pregnant again with my son, Jacob, and um, um, we, he was, again, uh, there was some uh, abuse, physical abuse, where he had grabbed me, and I called the police, he ended up being charged for domestic abuse. It was in two thousand and seven because uh, I, yeah because my son was born in two thousand eight. So, um, so my pastor at that time suggested that we move in with my I move in with my parents. He said, "Get away. It's not a safe place. You know, go somewhere away from him." And so that's when I moved in with my parents. And then, just over time, he let you know. I don't want to go into the detail. There was a season where he left, that then he came back and ended up actually weaseling his, himself back into my parents' house um, coming back. And again, that's when it came up uh, was uh, my parents now would walk in and he was, had the TV on and he was watching porn and he'd get so embarrassed and turn it off. And then it became to a point where um, he would just, uh, if I walked in, he, he he ended up watching it in a playroom, which was um, not an area my parents would normally come up at because it, it was like a second floor. But then I would walk in, he was watching it, and it became to a point where he was no longer ashamed. He was just like, uh-huh, I'm watching it. It's not fun. Um, and so I didn't know, um, I guess, what to say to that. He had good arguments that when he was going to, Um, Bible school, I guess they talked about sexually learning to do things, and it was okay to do things in marriage, and he had taken a class on Song of Solomon, and so he was um, basically justifying it. Um, And then, um, soon, uh, well, um, yeah, after my son was born, then he was demanding it. He was saying, we need to watch it, and you need to do things like I, I tell you to do, and um, I was resisting watching it. I um, watched it a few times, but I couldn't stomach it. I just, the Holy Spirit within me was just so much against it. So I refused to watch it, but then I, he was watching it without shame. And but and then he was, um, because of his porn addiction, sexually abusing me. He was just like um, wanting to do certain things that I didn't want to do, wanted, you know, certain positions and forceful and aggressive and um, which again at that time I wouldn't have labeled as sexual abuse but it was it was uh, very forceful and demanding and not listening to my um, um, I guess my not wanting you know certain things and so, but at that time I, I didn't see any of that as beef. I just thought I have a hard marriage. And I didn't know what to do with it. So,
1: yeah. <clears throat> you mentioned something about a rape in his past?
2: Yeah, he had mentioned, he had mentioned that as a young boy in Iran. They had it was rape. He had had a relationship with older women and younger women, but he mentioned a specific situation where uh, there was a street girl. I don't know if she was a prostitute or she was uh, she was being she was uh, sex slavery or whatever her situation was, but she was pretty young, probably teenager and he was um, eighteen20 because he got saved at 20. So he was uh, she was definitely much younger and um, they kind of gang raped her It was him and a group of friends. And, um, at that time when he told me I was, we were still dating. And so I couldn't even, I had to have no sexual relationship. I couldn't even fathom what he was saying and why I didn't realize the red flag of, um, a person basically raping what that another human being, what that would mean. Mm. And then years later, I, um, other woman approached me and talked to me, and I realized he's done that to many, many people. Even um, in our house churches, he would pray for people. He would turn off the light, and he would pray for people, and they would fall, Um, like Benny Hinn. He was, Benny Hinn was a hero, and later, so many girls at my church that he was fondling with them, and he was sexually molesting them, and um, when they were on the ground and everyone else's eyes shut. Said was the only one praying and moving around and praying for people. And years later, um, people start coming forward and saying that he was sexually abusing them and had um, used that opportunity to um, molest them and things like that. Mm. And, but it wasn't until after I came out with the abuse that all these other people started coming forward to me about things that they had seen i'd even had other pastors house church pastors come to forward to me and said now that you say it like i'd noticed this and this and this and i didn't know if i was seeing it correctly but i was doing all this stuff with these girls and so uh, until uh said and his um sexual addiction became um Known to me and I even understood how damaging, like you said, a porn addiction is and how it goes hand in hand with abuse because a woman is no longer, um, viewed as a human being. They're yeah. objectified. So, um, so the usually porn addiction is abuse go hand in hand. I, um, I didn't know any of that until my eyes were opened up to abuse and, um, so, yeah, uh, and the way they were opened up was um, when Said was in prison. So in 2012, as you said, Saeed, uh was arrested, and at that time, right before his arrest, I remember crying out to the Lord because I could barely read my Bible, I could barely pray. The Bible was used to manipulate me, to control me, mm. to call me a bad wife, so I couldn't even read God's Word because <gasps> any time I opened it, it was uh, condemning. It was um, oppressive, and so um, when Saeed was arrested, I started opening up the Word of God, and I started praying, but before his arrest, I remember crying out and asking God to help I, um, with the marriage. I thought, this is going to be my life for the rest of my life. This is going to be my marriage for the rest of my life. I Saeed had been in a hotel room before his arrest with another woman, and I had called, and she had picked up, and... Um, I became hysterical, and instead of apologizing, he said, I'm crazy and I need to go see a doctor because I was hysterical that another woman Mm. answered the phone in his hotel. And so at that time, I remember thinking, wow, like, um, he's saying I'm crazy for thinking that he cheated on me they're just sleeping in the same room. And I thought this is my... I I didn't even see a way out. I never thought divorce would be an option. So... I remember crying out to the Lord, like, what's going on, Lord? You know, and for the first time, just pouring my heart out to the God, the Lord. And then a few hours later, both this girl and my husband were arrested and put in the prison, or actually put under house arrest first and then put in prison. And from that moment on, I just start praying and reading my Bible. And in the effort of trying to get my husband out, God was building my confidence in him, and growing my walk with him. And in 2015, I was speaking at a mega church in North Carolina, and the pastor's name was David Chadwick, Pastor David Chadwick. And he, um, I just, uh, Saeed had a smartphone inside of the prison, and uh, he had gotten a smartphone about a year before his release. And he was messaging me, he was seeing how famous he was getting. Mm. Uh, and I noticed he was getting access. To my Amazon account and he was watching things like 50 shades of gay which I clicked on and it was just I was making me like sick to my stomach the sexual content and um and so um I noticed he's definitely watching porn again so, I mean from Iranian prison and then um and it was uh seemed like there was a lot of more gay porn which made me wonder about what's happening in prison and then um uh, I, I finally, I didn't share that part of the sexual stuff because I was so ashamed. I didn't share it with the pastor, but I, um, shared with them, like, I don't understand. Said has a phone inside of the prison and he's sending me really rude messages saying me I'm a whore. I'm a, I'm a Jezebel. And, and so this pastor looked at me and I shared everything of what had happened in our marriage. And I couldn't make sense of why Said was putting me down when I was trying so hard to get him out, it was later it made sense that Saeed was noticing that I was becoming confident. Um, I wasn't the same girl as I was before, where I would just shrivel up and, and submit to him. So uh, this pastor, after I mentioned everything and I showed him some of the text messages, he looked at me and he said, no, I you know I'm not this pastor. And I said, no, I didn't know that. He said, I, I'm a doctor.
1: <clears throat> Nogman, I need you to—I need to interrupt for a moment because we're out of time for this first show. But your story is very powerful, and we're going to continue this interview with Nogman next week. So I encourage you to join us, and then we'll talk to you next week.
0: Do you wanna be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144. This program was sponsored by Blazing Grace Ministries.